I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yue Xu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Krafchick, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating and beyond because we dive into why people do the things they do and why people think the way they do. But this past week, beyond modern dating, was a very special week because it was Julie's birthday on (laughs) Thursday. And this weekend we had an ounce of normalcy because we went up to wine country and did a whole day's worth of wine tasting with Julie and some of our friends. Uh, Of course, we were wearing masks. We were six feet apart-ish and we were very careful. Everything was outdoors. 
I felt we're, very We were safe. very responsible. Yes. I feel like, yeah, like I think it's like you are kind of in your trusted circle, but I didn't feel like we came in contact with anyone outside of our group. So no. No. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I was like a little nervous to go, as you know, and I was kind of like to you and other friends. I'm like, if you don't want to, I won't be offended. Yeah, I get that everyone has different comfort level. And I feel like everyone was like, yes, please. Like, can we do something that's like something, right? <laughs> yeah, I think as long as we were outdoors and I really appreciated at J winery yeah it was like so they do this uh cheese pairing and normally you would have to do these shared plates and they end up giving everyone their own individual plates Mm -hmm. which is like yay more cheese for us (laughs) but that's the way it should be no more shared plates yeah and they pre-poured everything so as soon as you sit down that's it that's the only human touch you have i mean that one i feel like we barely saw them like that one, yeah. the only, like, I guess caveat is it didn't feel as much like wine tastings. They weren't like sure. coming around telling you about it. But at the end of the day, I'd still prefer to be safer than that. But I agree. Yeah, it was yeah. so fun. I mean, I feel like it was just like one of those days that it felt like pre COVID that we had a really good group too. Like, mm-hmm. it was just everyone was really funny. We got into this whole discussion at the second winery about, about like, chickens. <laughs> How did they there fuck? Were, there were chickens there. So that's what started it but we got into it and luckily like our wine (laughs) wine server was also like worked on a farm so she gave us like the whole dl about all sorts of uh, animals and how they mate so it was quite educational i i think we should stop beating around the bush and we should tell people what we learned because i'm (laughs) it might sound dumb that we did this we asked this question but if we thought it, someone else out there is thinking it too. So we're going to save you asking a dumb question and we'll answer it for you. So we were very curious that if chickens can lay unfertilized eggs and do you need a male and a female chicken at all times or I guess a chicken and rooster at all times in order to, to get eggs? Because this all stemmed from the fact that our mutual friend acquire two chickens to put yes. in her backyard in San Francisco, which is very strange to begin with. But the answer it's to this- quite popular, actually. A lot of people have chickens, but keep going. In San Francisco? Yeah, I know a bunch of people that do. What the It's like fuck? a thing. It's a thing. But anyways, oh keep going. God. Irrelevant. These, I don't know what's happening in the city. Something's in the air. Like everyone's trying to be farm to table and then also try to find the next big I don't know, app or whatever it is. It's like a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new. But so the answer is you can have a colony of lesbian chickens and they can just lay all the eggs they want, but none of them will be fertilized. So those can be used for consumption for us. Or a chicken has a sex with the rooster and then when they when she lays that egg, that will be a fertilized egg. But you won't know till the egg has been laid. I feel like chickens are ahead of us. Like they're just letting like anyone (laughs) reproduce, right? Like no matter what your sexuality is, it's kind of a beautiful thing when you stop to think about it. I guess in a way, if you think about like women are freezing their eggs and they're not fertilized and then looking to get fertilized, is it sort of the same situation? Either way, I mean, apparently they do get it on if you do have a rooster. But uh, on this particular farm, they keep the rooster in a room by itself and they only let him out when he's needed, which I think is fantastic. He's like the pimp of the group. (laughs) Well, or or to 
serve the yeah. female chickens. There we you go. Know, I, I Women's empowerment angle. Exactly. It's, <laughs> you it's come not out like when I gets, say so. Yeah, it's not like he's horny. He's like, which of you bitches want to ride my cock? No, he's like, I'll wait till you guys are ready for hey, my services. Hey, as it should be. As it should be. As I like it. it. Should be. I like it. <laughs> Again, the evolved species here, the chickens. Yeah, deep conversations on Julie's birthday. <laughs> I think also, I just want to point out another deep conversation because it made me think of it too. On the ride up, uh, UA and I were in different cars. We had two cars that went up. <laughs> yes. And we heard Shaggy <laughs> Boombastic Remix. That is actually out now on Spotify. Shaggy remixed his own song. But the reason I bring this up <laughs> so is because... Meta. <laughs> so meta. But the best part was that in our Facebook happy hour that we did on Thursday, apparently in one of the rooms, there was this whole discussion. This is like deep thoughts of, you know, like when Backstreet Boys were saying, I want it that way. What way was that? They even said that Shaggy was the ultimate gaslighter because he was saying it wasn't me. But she saw me on the kitchen yeah. floor. Or the bathroom floor? Is it kitchen floor? Bathroom floor? Wait, bat- no, kitchen. Wait. Kitchen shit. floor. <laughs> but anyways, kitchen. she bathroom saw floor me. Would be a different story. She yes. saw me, but it wasn't me. Ultimate yes. gaslighter. <laughs> yes. And then I had to bring up our meatloaf mystery oh, yeah. again yeah. when he said, I, I won't do that. What I is will that? do anything for love, but I won't do that. Like, what is that? So. Really deep philosophical questions that that keep us up at night. But I did learn something serious this weekend too, Julie. (laughs) Not that this wasn't serious. This is all very educational. But I learned a lot about the cancel culture. And Mm. it's like something I keep hearing and I Mm -hmm. know it's like a it's like if you're woke, you're you're in tune with what this phrase means. My boyfriend actually had to teach me what cancel culture meant, which really is just like if someone does something wrong and then you just kind of like dismiss them just for their actions right there like one chance and then you don't give them another chance again and it's an interesting concept because what's happening right now with all you know with camera phones you can catch people Mm -hmm. in the act they get blasted on social media and then these consequences are that they get fired or they get shamed or whatever so the latest example is michael lofthouse the ceo oh yeah um, in san francisco who was caught on camera in carmel valley at a restaurant saying racial slurs to this asian family and it's disgusting what he's saying to them and he's like just so drunk it's not even funny so his video gets blasted and now the guy has stepped down from his position as ceo but all the comments are like no that's not enough let's make sure because he's british they're like let's make sure his visa's revoked you know deport him and uh, let's make sure he never finds another job again and so this is like this is the cancel culture right someone does something wrong and then you just cancel them but my issue with all of this is this person's just going to keep hating asians more and more right because he lost his job if he loses visa then he's just going to hate Asians even more. It doesn't actually solve the problem. I wish there was like a rehab system for people who do are caught doing something wrong and then you follow them through their transformation of getting back on track. Because this is just not the way we can reconcile these issues. A racist will still be a racist. It's just that they're now an unemployed racist. (laughs) Yeah. 
It is so, but there's a, like, I think it's interesting because I think there's been a few podcasts too that have had this happen, that they've said the wrong thing or handled things in oh. a different way. Won't say which ones, but it was like, it kind of like all hell broke loose and people really started like canceling hard. And I think though where some of the people that have had this happen have gone wrong though, is that they didn't just apologize. Like they kind of tried right. to like back themselves up. And I think oh, at the end of the worst. day, it almost like digs a deeper hole. So it's like, if you can just say you're sorry that this happened or someone felt this way, that's really all you can do. You can't go back in time. You can't change whatever it is. I think it's like we're, I'm trying like, you know, it's like it needs to feel authentic, though. But did you mm-hmm. see that San Francisco introduced the Karen law, which I think is hilarious? Instead of spelling it K-A-R-E-N, it's C-A-R-E-N. And it's basically like calling up. It's like the Amy Cooper situation where she like called up the police being like, this black guy is attacking me. And it was like she had like an unleashed dog and he was doing nothing like those like false senses of, you know, racism and systemic racism. That that's what the Karen law is in San Francisco. But I think it's hilarious that they called it the Karen law. I mean, you know, that's on purpose, right? Yeah, and I'm also just so I'm I feel really bad for people named Karen now. I had to We know a really wonderful Karen in our Facebook group. Like it's so we do and now I can't look at that name the same way. So unfortunate. So I'm so sorry to all the nice Karen's. I know, I know. We have your back, Karen's. We have your the the good Karen's. Maybe you should just change your name to Kat just (laughs) once and for Car. Just Car, yeah, Car. Just name yourself Care. Care. There you go. That's a good one. Uh, But things are happening, right? That's a good thing. We're just trying to make sure that we're policing each other and that we are keeping each other in check. But once we do keep each other in check, there has to be consequences on both ends that we need to face. So that's all I'm saying. That's what the that's only way I can't agree with cancel culture altogether. But I do think that. you know, despite all of the learnings this weekend, the I think we need to celebrate. In addition to your birthday, <laughs> we also need to celebrate the CNN article oh that came God. out. My dad, my dad finally hit me up and was like, "Congrats!" And I'm like, "I've been doing this for like four years." But no, Seriously. I'll take it. You know, I think it's hilarious. Oh, well, I guess we'll get into the article, but like, I. My mom messaged me that my cousin randomly saw it on CNN. And the article has so doesn't great. say dateable in the headlines. So you have to like right. read through it. And it's just hilarious. She's like, why don't you tell me? And I'm like, I don't know. You just don't know like when things are going to actually come out and all that. But yeah, I feel like my my family and you said yours too. Like finally, finally sees what's happening Final here. <laughs> approval. My mom's always like, How's the radio show doing? I'm like, it's a podcast, mom. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How's the radio show doing? So cute, though. When I met her, she's like, I love that you guys are doing this podcast. Like, she's like super for it. She loves it. She just doesn't really get how we we can make a living off of it, basically. But what was great is I woke up this morning and my boyfriend's like, oh, my friend just saw the CNN article you're in. So thank you, Patrick. I haven't met you yet. You sound amazing. Um, He also lives in Hong Kong. So that's great you know like it's really widespread but i sent the article to my parents and they both gave me a thumbs up so (laughs) you know the ultimate asian parent approval oh my god thumbs Thumbs up up. my parents were so excited i was like i have never seen them so excited about this this is it was crazy i think my dad was like you're famous now i'm like let's not go this (laughs) far 
Well, I've never I never thought I would see our picture in CNN. Oh, it's That's pretty impressive. Fantastic. And we have to thank Saba who mm-hmm. wrote the article. Uh, we had such a fun chat with her and she's been in our Facebook group, which is fantastic. Right. But ultimately, we need to thank Jamie, who is yes. one of our loyal yes, listeners Jamie. who referred <laughs> Saba to us. And Jamie, Jamie, I'm so glad we met you last week for the first time. And I, we are so grateful for listeners like you. You are absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I think this was like the most serendipitous moment because Saba just like direct messaged me through Facebook. It was like, hey, I've been in your Facebook group this whole time and I'm <laughs> writing this article. I love you and UA to like share your thoughts because you obviously have a lot. So I mean, the article was amazing too. definitely recommend reading it. If you just like search CNN, Love in the time of coronavirus. I think it will come up, or and no, to CNN dateable. To CNN dateable, it will come two up. Two are all you need. <laughs> but I think there was, you know, what I loved about it. It was so positive because, in mm-hmm. addition to interviewing us, she interviewed a couple people that actually met people through this time, and they had yes. positive love stories. I think so many times we can just get hung up on what we can't do. So it was really mm-hmm. nice to just see it through a positive spin of how this time can really bring people together. We had one guy that joined the Facebook group that like shared like this most beautiful story and like everyone was just like going crazy and loving it. Like that he like met his going to be husband on uh, Facebook, um, Facebook, I think, yeah, during this, this time. time. Yeah, and they like moved in together. They're like having a ceremony and people were just like, thank you. You know, we've had a yes. few recent like success stories. So it's been nice to hear those in addition to obviously we don't want to like diminish that it's a tough time right now, but it's nice to hear the positives that are coming from it. It just really reminds me of the advice my friend Julie has, my friend Julie Alexandra has <laughs> given us is always go out on a rainy day because yes. when it's it, when it's not the most positive vibe outside, your chances of meeting someone may be less, but your chances of finding love increase because that one diamond in the rough who's also out while it's raining, you guys are going to connect right away. So I, 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 I love equate it. that to this time of this pandemic too. Totally. I love it. I think also, I would love your take on this UA because one of the members of our Facebook group wrote this and it got me thinking because I think mm-hmm. one of his comments was that dating, like some of the, like even our episodes before coronavirus didn't feel as relevant anymore because everything mm. has changed so much with COVID. And my initial reaction was like, okay, I can see that because it's like a different like landscape of just how people are dating. But when mm. I really thought about it, I, the way I view modern dating from all the episodes we've done and just how entrenched we've been is that like 25% is tactics, like how you use mm. apps, how you go on dates. And I think 75% of it is mindset. That's my personal mm. take on it. I think like you can literally have two people that have identical profiles on a dating app. And I think their experiences will be very different based on how they mm-hmm. perceive it. So Of course, like there's differences right now. No one's going to deny that there's like people aren't getting as physical as fast or like where you go on dates is different and you're not meeting people in real life as much. No one's going to deny that. But I'd love your take because I I think there's a lot that holds up, if not more, with this emphasis on mindset. You know, that is a very 
interesting point that he makes. And then I really like the point that you're making too. When I was a dating coach, every client came to me and said, I have this very unique situation that no matter (laughs) how many blogs you write about other people going through similar situations, you have to listen to mine because it's so unique. And then I would listen to their situation. I'm like, it's actually not that unique. So I think what happens with dating a lot of times is that we don't think certain things apply to us because it's not specific for us right now. During this pandemic, listening to a couple matching on an app doesn't apply to me because I'm not on dating apps. But I think when you step back and look at the big picture, all of our episodes are about how people connect. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It You're totally right. It's a perspective and it's a mindset that anybody can take away and learn from it. It's not the details of how someone met right. and how they fell in love. It's on a wider level of how can I learn from this story, how I can better connect with others. I completely agree with you. I think it's all still applicable. It's just the tactical stuff that mm-hmm. doesn't really apply. Or but it's going to change, say that. evolve. It's going right. to change, yeah. But you could say that for anything. You could say, well, those two people in that story, their story is exactly like mine, but they don't look like me, so it doesn't apply to right. me. I mean, it's kind of the same same thing. There yeah. are always going to be variables, but it's more about what you can take away from other people, not so much how you can apply yourself to other people's stories. And let's be honest, on the tactical side... We've heard people bitch for years now that they don't meet in real life anymore. Mm -hmm. So if Mm -hmm. anything, now just more people are concentrated on apps. So you would actually kind of argue that a lot of the tactics on apps have not changed at all. If anything, Mm -hmm. it's just like got in a little deeper and more real. So yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say there's no difference. There's obviously differences, but I don't think that things... Like it has, we said on our last episode, actually, the bonus episode that I think you, you had a good point is like, while there's trends, the reality is most of the stuff is going to say relatively the same. There might be mm-hmm. a little, some shifts that happen, but if you could take like 1% of what's working in this new world and lose 1% that wasn't working in the old world, that's a win. And I think that really does hold true here. Yeah. Keep chugging along. Listen to other people's perspectives, absorb them, learn from them. And then we just keep excelling forward. This is what progress is in society. Yeah, which is actually interesting too, because it kind of brings me up to something else that we, I had a mutual friend reach out to me and connect me with this lovely woman, Julia, who's been doing oh, this yeah. quarantine project. And I actually, I signed up for it because I thought it was fascinating. It's called the Quarantine Love Project. And she actually, like, on her website, I just have to read this because I love it. It's going to be a while until you can walk up to someone at a bar. In the meantime, there's the Quarantine Love Project. So I think they actually started it as in-person events, but they pivoted like you do. Again, it's it's not the change of the underlying, like, what they're trying to accomplish. Exactly. It's just a change of mechanics. Instead of hosting IRL events, they're now doing them online. Mm-hmm. So anyways, they'll like match people up and they'll met like they basically will send you a message. So they're kind of like the modern Fun. day cupids. You basically will do like a 20 minute video date. And I, I mean, it's not like for profit or anything. Like they're really just trying to like spread love right now, which I love. How and fun. yeah, it's so sweet. And I think the, one of the reasons why he connected us too is I guess there's no shocker, less men than women that have signed up. I feel like this um. always happens. But as soon as we say it now, all the men will come because they know there's like a surplus of women. <laughs> so we're hoping that some more men can sign up and... I signed 
signed up today. It's super easy. You just fill out like a quick questionnaire. So definitely check out Quarantine Love Project and see if they're in your city and let these modern day cupids do their magic. What's the website? QuarantineLoveProject.com? Yep, that's it. Okay, perfect. <laughs> easy, easy breezy. Another website I'm going to throw out at you all during this quarantine. I know that um, there, you guys are doing a lot of online shopping, as, <laughs> as am I. I've gotten really good at online shopping, but we put together an essentials list mm. for dating during this time. And so we, now we have, a, we have a website for that. It's Amazon.com slash shop slash datable podcast. We're on the influencer program. Look at this influence. Well, when you are the Ivy Leagues of podcasts, you have to influence, right? Reference to last week, if you remember. Amazon.com slash shop slash datable podcast. We basically made a list of essential gadgets and whatever to use for dating, for self-care, for sexy time, you know, the good stuff. And we have a book book club in there as well of, of previous guests and their books. So it's a really, really comprehensive list. So yeah, check it out. I love the book club. I feel like this is like <laughs> the one way to find all our past guests who have had amazing books that they've shared. Yay. Yeah, and I love the yeah. vibrators. So I'll, I'll give a plug for that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we both added our own stuff in there. <laughs> Tested and true. <laughs> so you I can don't know, try. maybe... It'd be a fun game if people go on there and just like attribute yes. which which one to whom. Like, oh yeah, Julie definitely put this. Well, one on I the definitely list. put the magic wand. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Everyone knows how much UA hates it and, and how much I love and it. And the calendar that's from Julie. The calendar. <laughs> that's UA's. <laughs> no, there is no calendar in there. Fools. <laughs> Let's get to this episode. It's another yeah. bonus episode. We were on in a, a podcast called Kind of Dating, hosted by Natasha, who's fantastic. She is like in it. She's in dating. She uh, comes from a, an Indian family, so she has that cultural influence into her dating life. And she's just so honest and raw with, with yeah. her retelling some of her dating stories. So we were on her show talking about some of the best and worst dating advice we've gotten. Yeah, this is our kind of dateable collab. Yeah, <laughs> kind of dateable collab. That's correct. <laughs> so here comes Natasha on kind of dating. Guys, we've been wanting to make this happen for a really, really long time. The dateable kind of dating collab. We're doing it. Yes. So excited. We're kind of dateable. I know. (laughs) (laughs) New podcast to the baking. I really love that name. I think we're onto something. Um, Guys, uh, you know, you guys tell me if there's something you like to do for yours, but for us, we like to, to... always ask every guest, um, single or in a relationship. Are you single or in a relationship? I am single. I was revisiting something with an ex-boyfriend and recently decided to continue down a single path. So recently single, I guess. Yes. Ready to mingle in quarantine time. <laughs> yeah. Try out that video dating. <laughs> Try out that virtual sex. We just had an episode about that. Ooh. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Get it. Sounds um, fun. I'm in a relationship and with my boyfriend for over a year and a half now and trying to navigate quarantine together. Damn, are you guys living together? 
I mean, for now, for the quarantine, but as we start to loosen things up and the lockdown is starting to lift, I think we'll have to figure things out. (laughs) (laughs) And what about you, Natasha? I am seeing someone. Um, I'm actually at his house right now. Poor guy. (laughs) With all your equipment. Yeah. I brought it all over. I was like, all right, well, um, this is what we're doing now. (laughs) So yeah. And I am married just so you guys know, but I used to date a lot. So, you know, whatever. How long have you been married for Adam? Uh, over two years now. Okay. All right. Still sort of a newlywed. Yeah. Not that long. Love it. Love it. So today we're talking about you, you, you guys tell us, what are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about? I, we, I think we should be talking about, because we've had so many seasons of Datable and we've had so many great guests come on and tell us some really awesome dating tips. We also thought this is a good chance to not only talk about the good dating advice, but also the really terrible dating advice we've yes. gotten over the years. And we should just just bring those out now and and just like bury them somehow. You know, like it should be ceremonial. Let's just bury the really bad dating advice we've had. And Natasha, I'm sure you've also had your share of really bad dating advice that you've heard on the podcast. Oh my God. On the podcast in life, it's like so many, (laughs) so many things. Um, Yeah, tons. So what's your number one bad dating advice that you've heard? I think the one that, that somehow I got flack for which I don't even believe, I just was letting the guests speak, was uh, don't have sex for 90 days. Whoa. We had a guest on our podcast that said that too, actually. Yeah. And I think though, because I I think that they were two different guests. Right. Which is shocking to me because I'm like, there are more than one person out there who believes you should wait 90 days. You know what's funny? Because we actually had a one of our bad dating advice that we've gotten is the arbitrary three-day rule. And I think mm-hmm. they both actually have a very similar theme to them is this arbitrary number. Like why 90 days? Why three dates? Like why three days? Like why does that matter at all? And also it just drives you crazy, doesn't it? Like waiting 90 days for anything to happen, you start developing stories in your own mind. You end up having a conversation and a relationship with someone that is, does not exist. And that's the danger of waiting and, and just guessing. And like in those three days or in those 90 days, anything could happen. So why, like, I just don't understand. Don't deprive yourself if that's something you want. And what well, if the sex is so bad? Like, what <laughs> if you go like 90 days and you are just like, this is my person and then it's terrible and you can't come back from it? Well, you know, I think an unfortunate part of sort of what society has fed, the like the narrative society has fed to women is that our worth is determined by by when we have sex, like how, mm-hmm. how, how quickly did she give it up? I mean, fucking Steve Harvey has uh-huh. a, sh- a talk show on this and he still preaches this Yes, that like a guy will value you more. And yes. I'm not saying look, like, I'm not here to advocate like, Hey, bang anybody on your first date. My whole thing is if you want to on your first date, or if you want to three months from now, right. the, the whole thing should be, do you want it? And only have sex when you want it. If that means in the first hour of meeting somebody, great. If that means three months, that's fine. It's just whenever, so you don't feel like, I mean, I'm sure you guys have also met girls like this. Like some of my girlfriends have felt, oh, it didn't work out. He was just using me for sex. 
And it's like, well, you won't feel like that if, if you feel like you did it because you wanted to make somebody like you. That's a really great point, Natasha, because I think by having this wait period, it gives other people permission to judge you if you don't end up living to those three days or like 90 days. So it gives you the permission to slut shame yourself. We've had girls that write into the show and say, I slept with him on the first date. Am I going to be viewed um, as, you know, like just someone he's going to play around with like a, um, a fuck buddy. And then it gives men the permission to judge you if you do sleep with them within those three days or 90 days or whatever it may be. So it's just another way for us to judge each other. And that's terrible. Yeah, we had a guest on our podcast, Dr. Alexandra Solomon, who is phenomenal. If you haven't listened to those episodes or if you're new to our podcast via Natasha's, definitely check them out. But she had a really good comment because this came up. We actually had a live show. We had uh, someone in the audience ask about if she slept with someone too soon, would he judge her? What would he think? Mm -hmm. And she's like, the problem of this statement is that it's coming from what would he think of me? not what do I want to do. And there is a very different energy that's happening from that. And I think to Natasha, your point about feeling like, oh, someone didn't call me back because I slept with them too soon. If the energy is we're vibing, we want to sleep together, or maybe we're not there yet because we haven't built that connection versus like, I need to hold out so he stays interested. That's the energy that's probably causing someone not to come back, not that you slept with them too soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we have a a slight benefit of having um, my, uh, the kind of dating engineer here, Adam, but like sometimes we ask him like as the guy, like, what would you think, Adam? I know I already know what you think. Yeah. Well, they don't know what you think. I I mean, I, I feel the same way you do about not having a specific number. I think there's no reason to put an arbitrary number on such a thing and so on. Um, you know, I think people need to act how they, they feel inclined. If, if, if the girl really likes the guy and feels that, you know, she wants to do that with him and her judgment is saying, yes, let's do it, then have fun, you know, but be safe and whatever. But like, I, would, I you judge, would you judge a, a girl? Uh, for not having sex with me on the first date? No, uh, like if it was too well, soon or too late <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, no, I would not. I mean, if anything, the guys are probably like, hey, this is cool. Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't imagine there'd be a lot of, you know, protesting on, on their end of things. <laughs> uh, like, no, please don't. Like, hopefully they would say no. So- no was no, you know. This happened to me a long time ago. I remember I met this guy. We had such a fantastic night. We got way too drunk, but that's another story. And well, actually, maybe it's not because it led to the story that I'm about to tell. And basically, we ended up sleeping together on the first date. And I actually don't remember a lot of that date. But what I do remember is him saying, do you do this often? And there was this sense mm. of oh. that came into it. Okay. It was really icky. And I remember feeling really shitty after. And I was never someone that thought about that or felt that way. And I remember a friend of mine was like, he did it too. Why does it need to fall on you as the woman? Yeah. Yeah. That had sex. Like, you know, just why, why is it always on the woman? I was just going to say, Natasha, you had a really funny episode, um, Do Old Dating Traditions Hold Up? And that episode was so interesting to me because I think if you think about it, all these rules are kind of imposed from like our ancestors. Right. And they're very antiquated. But I think as modern daters, we tend to not 
question them. We're just like, oh yeah, these are things that worked in the past. It was probably some like etiquette coach that came up with them or something for you to like get the village wife of your dreams. You have to wait however many days. And I, I think this is our chance and with both of our podcasts is to just question why things are the way they are and why do we need to do them a certain way? Yep. No, 100%. I mean, Julie, to, you know, piggyback off your story a little, um, I was telling, you know, I think people might remember on my podcast a while back, I I had hooked up with somebody who's actually really famous or he's about to be really, really famous, like giant movie star famous. And, um, and we had hooked up and I remember he wanted to do the like, oh, just, just two minutes, no con, just two minutes, just two minutes. And I was like, no. And so he was like, oh, well, I don't have a condom. And oh, I was God. like, oh, cool. I'm a fucking grown up who, yeah. who is cares about me. So I have one. And so I brought it out and he got like, he was like, oh, but you have a condom. And I was like, mm-hmm. And I was like, here you go, wrap that shit up. And like, but then he like had performance, like he was like being weird about it and he couldn't like basically come off and he's like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. It was because of the condom and I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. But it was really because he got thrown that I had a condom. Right. So the woman shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like I shouldn't be protecting myself from yeah. like you think you're the first guy who's ever said just two minutes no just two, oh my minutes. god just a tip just a tip don't worry about it <laughs> i didn't know that was even a thing though like i oh guess my god. it never occurred to me or something i don't usually talk to my friends about this but oh like, my I, god I, I don't think i've ever thought oh maybe in two minutes you can't get pregnant okay so times i've heard the two minute thing i feel Jeez. like this one definitely goes into ours of the three day rule. I'd love to hear your opinion on this, Natasha, because I think this one infuriates both UA and I a lot because our opinion is if you like someone, don't fucking play games and just message them. Yeah. 100%. I agree with that. I I always admit that um, old me used to be the one who used to wait hours before I texted somebody. I was all, I was totally playing that game. But when I came out of that, that was during my commitment phobe phase. Mm. Um, and then when I finally came out of that, it was me realizing like, wait, why was I, it was my insecurity. It was wanting to make somebody know that I wasn't available or whatever, which wasn't, it was my insecurity. And now I don't feel insecure. So I don't give a shit. If I have time, I will message you right away. I like messaging right away. And if I can't because I'm in a meeting or I'm actually working or doing something, I can't. But I actually usually tell somebody like, hey, I'm just about to get into some work. Um, If I'm slow to respond, that's why. Uh, So like there's no, yeah, I just find like game playing doesn't benefit or help move a relationship forward. And Mm -hmm. the faster you know somebody's interested, the faster you can make a decision if you want to stay or not. If they're not, tell them the fuck off, like get out of here. I can say also as a guy, like one time I went out with this girl and she, and, and, you know, I, I'm, I was used to the whole, oh, you shouldn't immediately call them the next day. You kind of got to give it a little time or space. You know, this is a, before a lot of apps and stuff, you know, everything was on OkCupid at the time, but like, you know, uh, what happened was, is she was like, just call me tomorrow. And I was so relieved. I was like, I don't have to play this game with her. Like, I don't have to wait two days or one day for her to think I'm 
too into her, whatever that means. I mean, she's happy that I'm into her and I'm glad and I will call her tomorrow. You know, like everyone wins then if that's what you want. Well, isn't it refreshing to have someone tell you that they're actually into you yes. instead of playing this game of who's least interested? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Well, I think a lot of times women, because again, what we've been told is that we shouldn't be the one showing the interest and he's going to lose interest in us and all of that. But especially in this day and age with Me Too and just changing gender roles and masculinity, I think men do need that positive reinforcement that this is like a green light and I can keep going. Like I can ask them out again and I can make the move or whatever. And I don't think there's anything wrong with just saying I had a really good time and I enjoyed hanging out with you. Like there's nothing needy about that at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I and always, a girl- at the end of a date, um, sorry, Adam, I just, uh, no, it's- at the end of a date, I always, I, I don't wait. Like if somebody messages me first, great. But, but when I get home that night, I almost always am like, I say if I had a good time and I, I'm very like, Hey, I had an awesome time, but I don't say like, I don't need to say like, let's go out again. I just say like, Hey, I had an awesome time. You know, I have a great night. Thank you. Yeah. Also a tip. If somebody is, if a girl is interested in a guy and she would like him to know that, and she would maybe even, even if it's after just the first date, like him to not be as interested in other girls that he might be talking to online or something. Right. It's good to show that like you're interested and you're bringing something to the table that you would like to go out with them again because, you know, otherwise you end up dating someone who's, some guy is juggling like, you know, multiple women because, you know, it's kind of from a guy's dating perspective, it's like you're messaging a thousand people and you don't really know like when you'll hear back from any of right. them. A lot of their inboxes are probably maxed out or something, you know, on whatever dating app they're on. For sure. And both, I mean, your podcast and our podcast, both of our podcasts have covered the pickup community. And isn't it just fucking exhausting to just play these games, (laughs) to do these like mind tricks, Jedi mind tricks with each other? And at the end of the day, what are you getting? All you're getting is this fake interest from someone because all you're doing is making them feel like they miss you or making them feel like you're unattainable, but that's not sustainable for a relationship because if you carry forth with that relationship, you constantly have to make yourself unavailable. <laughs> right. And I think that actually is a good segue to our, our other really bad advice we've gotten. And I'm actually thinking, Adam, what you just said makes so much sense here too. We always say this is not a numbers game. And that is very unpopular advice because a lot of people believe it is a numbers game. And I think in a situation where people aren't transparent about how they're feeling and what they're thinking and showing that excitement, that's when it becomes a numbers game. To your point, Adam, is as a man or a woman, you feel like you have to just keep filling your funnel because you don't know if any of these people. Exactly. But if someone is just upfront and genuine then it doesn't take meeting hundreds of people. We know so many people that go on date after date and they don't go anywhere Mm -hmm. where someone that might just really fine tune and get excited to meet someone, even if they have less prospects, their dating success rate might actually be higher. Let's hold that thought for a sec. We'll get right back to it. 
This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use a code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use a code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. Wait, <laughs> wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, I remember being in an Uber once and and the driver was telling me, male driver, that it's a numbers game. And I remember laughing and being like, what? No, it's not a numbers game. And this is like years ago. So this was like, you know, slightly more naive me. And I was like, no, what do you mean? And then... I sort of understood his point of view in that for a guy like on dating apps for, you know, a second, like 
girls will get a lot of, um, a lot more matches on a dating app. For guys, they're swiping right on everybody. Like they're not even thinking, do I like her? They're not reading a profile. They're just like, right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. Because they're like a, lot a of guys numbers are, at least. game. <laughs> Right. It's a numbers game because uh, I'll swipe at 150 girls and maybe two will message me. Whereas for girls, definitely different where, you know, I tell my girlfriends, dude, don't do that. Like use a little bit more of your critical thinking and judgment. Look at somebody's fucking profile, for example. Like, can they form a sentence? Does that bug you that they don't know where to, that they don't know the difference between there and there? And, you know, like, it would bug me. Um, like, does he sound like a douchebag? Did he ask you for a dick pic? Or, or, you know, did he send a dick pic? So, like... Did he ask you for one? I know, did he ask you for one? That's a sign. Um right. You know, so I think it it can vary for genders. Um, I understand why people do it, but I think it's a flawed concept for sure. I think it depends on when it is in the process because I actually understand just swiping through profiles and I admit I do that. Like I don't read everyone's profile because I think there's too many variables on dating apps. You just don't know if someone's ever logging in there or what the activity is and all of that. But I do think where the not a numbers game falls into is that filtering process. And that's why I'm actually really excited that people might start to use like video dating a little more because I think there's filling up the funnel that there's enough people and prospects in there. Cause if you've no one in the funnel, it's going to be hard to find a date. But then once that funnel is getting filled, making sure that you're not meeting every last person and they're just blending together, but really being conscious and excited to meet that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's being smart about the numbers game because right. it's a numbers game only when you're able to balance all the people you're talking to. So it's science back that you can only balance seven people at a time and the seven people on a very surface level conversation, that's all you can handle. And then for deeper conversations, your brain can only handle two people at a time. Wait, so I'm yes, it's a number. Seven people like like dates? Seven, seven people that you can have very shallow conversations with. Those are the seven conversations oh, you can balance at one time. It's a lot. I agree. <laughs> but, but for those conversations to be deeper, you can only do two at a time. So it's a numbers game if you're smart about the numbers. Yeah. And I definitely hear the men out there because we hear them. They're like, hey, I'm not getting any matches. So it is a numbers yeah. game. And we hear that. We don't want to say it's I guess maybe it's a modified bad advice. It's not fully not a numbers game, but I think if you just are always going for quantity over quality, that's when you get in trouble. Like we had someone on our podcast that we did an exit interview with and he had so many matches on Hinge. I've never seen a guy with this many matches in my life, but none of them moved to a second date. And that's why we did an exit interview to call them to see why and what, I think the lesson here is that he was probably spreading too thin and he wasn't going deep with enough people to like get a connection that would move to that next level and then also be willing to take a chance because he always thought he had more prospects coming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, quality over quantity for mm-hmm. for sure. At some point, like you said, in the beginning, maybe you're, you should date more than one person. But then at, at some point... I think if you are, it depends what phase you are in your life. If you're just trying to fuck around, great. Then you don't have to. Right. But if you are actually 
sort of trying to be open to finding something of more quality, then you're going to have to put in a little bit of time. It's, it's a I don't good job. think it's, I think also one thing is because, you know, we're talking about the numbers game and things like that. And, and the question is, is what, you know, what are the things that people use to, um, to look at? And the first thing is usually the photo. I don't think though that that's necessarily wrong for people to use as a judgment, because if you're dating someone, you want to be attracted to them, mm-hmm. at least, you know, somewhat right. physically, uh, hopefully very much physically, but you know, at the same time, you know, you would then want to get the whole picture, you know, you want to see what their profile says or what their thoughts are or, you know, dreams and so on, you know, like I think those are all really important things, you know, but for that initial like thing, cause if, you know, you want to be able to be happy sitting across the table from them at dinner, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you brought up a, a sort of my segue to one of the other uh, worst pieces of advice that I've heard. Um, this isn't from my podcast though. This is just in life. This was my parents, which I fucking hate. <laughs> though I think a lot of dating Wait, coaches you hate your, you hate your parents? No, no, or I you love hate- my parents. Just want to clarify. <laughs> the advice that you hate. <laughs> Obsessed with my parents, this piece of advice I hate. Um, but it's also stuff that like you hear a lot of cliche dating coaches and shit say, which is look, looks fade. Don't focus on looks and Ugh. blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I'm like, suck my non-existent dick. Sorry. Yeah, right. But like anytime, I'm not saying the anybody needs to be a 10. That's not no. what we're saying. They yeah. need to be a 10 to you. Yes. And that has to matter. Because like I see, you know, my parents, when they tried to say that to me and they tried to set me up with somebody that I was like, <laughs> are you guys kidding right now? Like kidding. And then they were like, well, looks, looks don't matter. And I said, Oh, cool, cool, cool. And my parents, like mind you, is for Indians had like a love marriage back in their mm. day. So, you know, they were progressive in their own way. Mm. And I said, so dad, like what was, you know, what was the first thing you noticed about mom? And he's like, she was very beautiful. She was smart. She was, you know, she was very tough. She knows what she wants. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, and Ma, what did you like about dad? He was charming. He was very handsome. You know, he was really <laughs> Oh, cool. So fucking looks matter to you guys. <laughs> You're like constantly talking about like, oh, we matched so well. Like we made it. Mm-hmm. So fuck you. <laughs> And then yeah. they like, and with the, now they literally say it to me. They're like, no, no, we get it. Like, like looks matter. I was like, there has to be chemistry, yeah. right? Yeah. Like if there isn't, then you're just friends at that point. And that's not like a significant other, right? Yeah. Cause you have to look at this person every day, right? Like even if you're in a fight, <laughs> like even if you're not talking at the very least, you're staring at each other, you know, and I, I need to personally at least not want to throw up looking at your face. I don't know. Like, I, I'm just saying, like, I need to feel like I am into the person. But that, again, that doesn't mean that I don't believe that that means a person needs to be a 10. Like, no, my boy, one of my boyfriends of four years was somebody that other people might not have considered a yeah. quintessential looker. Mm-hmm. But he was so hot to me. We had great chemistry. Uh, and I, he, I I loved him. I was, like, obsessed with him. So, yeah. It just needs to be attractive to you, I think, mm-hmm. is the key. Yeah, there's a Chinese saying. It's called yan, And it, it literally translates to smooth on your eyes, which is, I guess, mm. could be easy on your eyes. But yeah. I take that as is just for your eyes only, 
this yeah. person is just smooth. It's, there's no, there's nothing like when you look at them, you're like, ah, oh, just something very jarring. And I think looks, I think parents, my parents have said the same thing, Natasha. They're like, don't worry about the looks. Everybody's ugly when they're old, which is probably true at some point. But that's the beauty of dating when you're younger is that you can't get excited <laughs> about someone's looks knowing that it could fade in the future. And so why not like take advantage of the looks when you have them? I think there was a Sex of the City episode too that was like the memory of them. Even if they're like old <laughs> when they're, it's why like the we, memory of feeling why excited. Going for, why are we skipping like 60 years of our life and like imagining right, somebody right. at like right. 80, 90? Right. I'm like, it's fine. Honestly, I actually saw an amazing Instagram post uh, yesterday, which was saying like women in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I think 40 was like Shakira, 50 was J-Lo, 60 was, I don't know who, 70, Vera Wang. I was like, Lord help me. She is gorgeous. Yes. Yes. Well, I think the other flip side of it is I personally would not want to be with a guy that didn't find me attractive. So if you're holding on to a relationship because (laughs) you feel like you should be because they're, they have the right pedigree or whatever it is, but you have zero attraction to them, that's really not fair to that other person at all. That's so true. Like when your kids are like, why did, what did you like about mom? And he's like, well, I wasn't into her looks, but (laughs) she had a great personality. (laughs) He's like, we have a purely platonic relationship. (laughs) And you know, I think a lot of people, they think about these things um, in terms of like, what will my family think if I introduce Mm. this person to them? Mm. And they think about like their grandma or something. And it's like, I, I don't know about you, but like, you know, my spouse's grandma, like she's like, this is your grandfather and she'll point to a picture and he's like a hunk in the Navy or something. Like he's a gorgeous looking guy. Like, you know, (laughs) from, you know, back then, like, so that's great. Good for him, you know, but like at the same time, the fact that people try to act like they're, you shouldn't care so much about that. But then look with grandpa, he was very attractive then, you know, I don't know. Okay, yeah, so what- I, I keep wanting to, sorry, just just add that little button to, as a reminder for anybody listening that we're not saying that somebody has to be an objective, What there is no such thing as an objective 10, I, I don't know, maybe Angelina Jolie or something like that. But, um, but outside of that, we're saying like, they should be attractive to you mm-hmm. and it should matter for you that, you know, my, my best friend always asks me a question that, I'll admit like there were people I wasn't totally attracted to that I gave or I I ended up in relationships with because of this weird thing in my head. But she then made me like think of it very differently. It's kind of gross, but she'll, she'll always say like after I come back from a date, she's like, so did you get juicy goosey down there? (laughs) Vagina tingles. And and then she's like, if you didn't get the fuck out. And I'm like, that's actually kind of, you know, I have totally been there before. I remember I dated this guy for a bit and he was great on paper. He was an objectively attractive guy, but for whatever reason, it just did not give me vagina tingles. And eventually I'm like, I can't fight this. Like there's nothing that's going to make this work. And again, I think it comes back to what is fair to everyone in this situation, yourself, but also that other person. But just be forewarned that we can't get hung up on certain characteristics like yeah. women with the height thing let's just give it up for now because it's not <laughs> what's your minimum height requirement how how tall do you have to I be to ride that ride completely guilty as charged adam knows i talk about this on the podcast what's all your the minimum time. height requirement 
it's gone down, okay? <laughs> like that's how I've opened become compromise. Been five ten plus. Okay. How tall are you? It's because I'm short and I'm thinking about future children. Not that I don't five even <laughs> want children, but I'm five two and a half. Hey, I also know two people. They're both under 5'10", and their kids are all like 6'2", 6'3". So you never know. You never know know what could happen. Of that is... Okay, (laughs) so we've we've had a lot of the bad advice. I think we should transition to the positives. What's the best advice we've ever heard? Ooh, Natasha. I gotta go with um, the OG queen, um, which is... Beyonce? Oprah? (laughs) Maya Angelou. (laughs) Okay, Um, Which is uh, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Not the second, not the third, not the fourth, not the fifth, the first time. Um, And I usually tell people that, like, I actually almost guarantee people that you know exactly what the problem in your relationship will be within your first week. If you are actually paying attention, Mm -hmm. you will know whether it's somebody telling you, you know, I work a lot mm-hmm. or I haven't had a relationship before or somebody being like, I mean, you know, guilty of being with the guy who on our first date said that y- y- just, you should know something about me. I'm divorced and I have rage issues. And I stupidly oh. went, Oh, he's being I can honest. You. <laughs> I was like, he's so honest. That means he mustn't be that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every, every relationship I had, and I've had a lot, uh, I, I knew exactly what the problem would be. Oh, yeah. um, and I just didn't believe them. And mm-hmm. uh, and whenever that is that you find out about that person, because it is hard to become aware of that. And, you know, it's, it's sort of we're probably a little bit more trained because of doing this, po- like our podcasts. But most people might not be. And and I think whenever you you realize a behavior that's really off for you, believe that that's the behavior. Don't, mm-hmm. don't not trust it. Mm-hmm. Or, or if somebody's telling you straight, don't be like, no, they don't mean it. They yeah. totally know themselves more than you. For sure. Right. There's a saying that like most relationships ends the first red flag that was shown. And I feel like that has happened to me so many countless mm-hmm. times that I'm like, wow, in hindsight, I saw that on date one or right away. And mm-hmm. yeah, you just don't, you want to believe that that's not going to happen, but yeah, I think it's really important to tune into those. I like to do the buffet test in the beginning of a relationship where, where you sit down and you think, am I treating this like a buffet where I'm picking and choosing which mm. parts of this person I choose to consume and which parts I'm not using? But then that's not how a relationship works. It's not a, bu- not a buffet. It's literally a prefix meal. <laughs> and you just yeah. eat whatever is given to you. <laughs> so do the buffet test and you'll know. Perfect. Yeah, I love that. I love that. What's your guys? What's like a, a best advice? I I love this one because we say it all the time. You have to go through the trenches to just fully experience love. And we've had so many experts come on and say, love is a journey. And if you mm-hmm. sit back and you think, gosh, it really is. Just because you find someone to love, that doesn't mean that journey ends. It's just the middle of your journey. And it's something that's constantly evolving. And if you're going through the trenches right now, if you're 
you feel like you're hitting rock bottom or this is a really dark period, just know that you're supposed to go through this in mm-hmm. order to find that light at the end of the tunnel because you will get there. There was like someone that said a statement, you're exactly where you need to be right now. And I think that one has stuck with me through this and it totally goes to what UA was just saying. It's like, you need to just recognize that it's okay if things aren't figured out because things are never figured out. It's just a constant evolution all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Um, I am obsessed with Eckhart Tolle and mm-hmm. uh, he has this sort it's probably like my favorite quote of all time, but he says, um, every experience is for the evolution of your consciousness. How do you know this is the right experience? Mm. It's the experience you're going through right now. Mm. Um, and it is sort of exactly that, like you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Um, and you know, I, I'll say this, I agree with that. And I still don't wish all of it on everybody. Like as Mm. somebody who has, you know, I, I was in a very abusive relationship um, uh, that had me depressed for many years. It was physical, mental, emotional, every kind of abuse possible. I was very, very broken from it. Now looking back, I can go, man, I'm glad in a way. Like, like I secretly thank him. I would mm. never tell him to his face. I secretly <laughs> thank him for teaching me boundaries. I didn't know I had right. no boundaries at all. And I, and, or I just didn't know how to enforce them. And, and that taught me something that said, I tell everybody, please don't do what I did. Do not, don't, you didn't have to experience that to learn that that's not the kind of good person for you. Like I don't have to go out and walk in front of a moving car to know that that's going to hurt. Right. There are some, some aspects I'm like, Yes, if you are in something, learn the lesson. But don't walk into a fire right. and yes. think you're not going to get burned because, hey, you know, I'm, I'm just going to learn from it. And God bless, most <laughs> right. of us can. But some of us, like without getting dark, can go into something that becomes very abusive. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky I got out, but there are people right. who don't. Um, right. So there's like a, you know, that's where I'm like, eh, I get it to like 99%. There's that one sliver percent for me that's like, don't do all the bad things that right. I did. Yeah. Well, I think that's- it's like people always say too about our podcast, and I'm sure this holds true for yours too. It's like one of the reasons they like it is they can hear all these experiences so they don't have to necessarily go through all of them on their own. And they can be a little more conscious of those red flags or whatever it may be, or just be conscious that they're learning from their mistakes, but not repeating them over and over and over again. I think the part about the journey though, it's sometimes you do just have to do it yourself. Like what, no matter, I I don't know about you guys, there's been so many times that I've given advice to friends or they've given it to me and you're like, yep, in theory, I get that. But because I'm the one in it, it's different. So I think there's some of that that's just never going to go away. I agree with you, Natasha. It's a line though. But I think the part that really sticks with the journey is when people are just down about being single. Like maybe it's not necessarily a bad experience, but it's, oh my God, I'm X age, I'm 30 and I'm single. Like what's Mm -hmm. wrong with me? All of that. And I think where we really come in with this is that no one has it figured out. It's a journey. It's okay if it doesn't happen by certain timelines. Like not everyone is on the exact same page, like path, find what works for you. Yeah, I think a lot of, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Adam. um, I think a lot of what is going on with this is dealing like sort of like with fate and people's, 
thoughts on, you know, you know, what will happen, what, what, what happened was meant to happen. And that doesn't mean that it's unavoidable. If, if, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to repeat per, perhaps these situations, you can learn and adjust and keep moving forward. Um, I think there is a danger to people sometimes when they start rationalizing it maybe it makes them feel better in the short term which is you know nice to feel like oh well it was meant to be this way or you know this worked out for the best you know now I know something you know that I didn't Mm -hmm. know before you want to learn but I think there's an interesting line there you know also we had Mark Manson on our podcast a few weeks ago and he says something that really resonated with me he said when you face an issue or problem, don't try to fix it, evolve from it. Yeah. So next time when you see a red flag or see something happening in your relationship, ask yourself, how do I evolve from this? And I think that's where the line can be drawn because when we try to fix something, that's when we go deep into that rabbit hole. That's when we, right. that's when we put so much pressure on ourselves that if we don't fix it, we we can become failures in our own mind. So if we evolve from it, then we can just relieve some of that pressure and think about, okay, how do I just get myself out of this 1% more? 1% each time, baby steps. Right. Yeah, and I also think, um, you know, changing sort of the lens of how we look at what trenches are, right? Mm -hmm. For example, like we think, going or, or yeah, going through the trenches means you have to experience negative things, but the Mm -hmm. trenches could also be making the decision that I don't want to experience this, which is hard. Mm. I think that's harder to do sometimes than going through the shitty experience because having the discipline to say like, I mean, have you, you guys must have done this now that you have like this podcast and successful and all these things. Like I've gone on dates with people and I'm like, fuck, I want to go down this path, but I'm not going to. Absolutely. Not Not touching that. And it's so hard. I'm like, fuck, did I make the right decision? But knowing and trusting and, 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 um, trusting myself in that is the trenches is like me mm-hmm. going through the trenches. It's just a different evolutionary process of the trenches. Like yep. you don't physically mm-hmm. have to be in it anymore. You could be in it emotionally and intellectually. That's when you start to really evolve because I a hundred percent agree with you. We had actually one of my past dates on the podcast to talk about our dates, which is what we love doing those types of episodes. But mm-hmm. I recognize I was his first date in 12 years because he had just gotten out of a divorce. First time ever on a dating app. We were just in totally different places. And I recognized it immediately, even though like we had a good chemistry and banter and I liked him. I was just like, this isn't going to work. I just knew we were not in the same page. And I think it's honing in on that and not being, it's all about trusting your gut is really what it comes down to. I think a lot of times we don't want to put limitations. And we talked about this with Mark Manson too. It's like boundaries feel scary because they're basically losing prospects, especially Mm -hmm. sometimes when it feels like prospects are hard. It's hard to find that person. But I think your gut always knows what's right. And it's really, at least for me, when I've gotten into trouble is when I don't listen to it. And I think that I can change someone. I think it's important to remember that everyone's on a different timeline, you know, Uh, the people you date, but you are too. And even your friends and family and things like that, you know, like I know some people that, you know, they're like, 
you know, I'm in my early 30s and I feel like I, I need to start, you know, getting, looking into getting a house and things like that. And, you know, hey, I mean, it'd be nice, but, you know, not for every, not everybody's able to prioritize that right now. You know, a lot of people are yeah. more interested in starting a family or more interested in getting their professional career going or, you know, whatever other things there are. But you don't want to hold yourself to these arbitrary standards that are sort of just based on other people. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yep. Um, that seems like a good segue to other good dating advice. Yeah. <laughs> What's your next one? one? Um, I was going to say, oh, man, I have, I have two, but which one to go with? Yeah, um, pick one, pick one. Um, we'll go with the, sim- like the, the simple one. L- love grows. Mm. Um, I used to not. I mean, like every young person, not, it's not a girl thing. You know, I used to be like, no, you're either in love or you're not. Uh, (laughs) But you realize like in the beginning, you don't really even know what love is. And, and, and yes, you can feel like an immense attraction, infatuation, even, even an early stage of love, but I think it can get deeper and Mm. it can get even more as time goes on and you build intimacy and you, you know, really share with each other that I just don't think you can write in the beginning. I mean, not, not all of us have the notebook type of love story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've been with people and seen that happen for me where like it, it started one way and I, I actually was like, Oh my God, I kind of like this person even more going forward as I've like learned about them. Um, but sometimes I think people are like, they need to feel all of it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't think that that's love, like that love at first sight kind of thing. Like I'm like, I don't personally believe yes. in it. Um, I believe it's lust at first sight. Yeah. And then you could feel an awesome connection with somebody, but that love kind of grows. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting one because I'm thinking about what you said earlier about that you still need to be attracted. So I agree yeah. with you that love grows over time. And I think especially it's tough when you've ended a relationship, when there's so much history built up to go to that next person where you're kind of starting from scratch. And in your mind, though, you're, you're kind of expecting it to be a smooth transition, which isn't realistic. But I think the part that I'm not sure about is if there just isn't that baseline connection and chemistry to begin with. I think if you had a good enough time, you should go on a second date, even if there wasn't fireworks. But if you really were just like, this is so painful, I don't want to be here, or I'm just not attracted and I don't see this happening, I don't think love can grow that way. 100% agree. Mm. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, don't, I think the the difference does become a little of like, is is the initial feeling and connection love at all? Or is it a chemistry and attraction? And is love, and I guess it comes down to like, what is the definition of love for all of us, right? Like for me, love is an action. And so that's a personal thing. To some people, it's not. To some people, it's a feeling. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like, well, to to get me to do something out of real love for you probably takes a little time because I don't fucking know you in the beginning. Right. So I'm right. going to do stuff, but I'm probably not going to like go out of my way or like, you know, for example, in the beginning of meeting somebody, if suppose you met somebody your first week and they're 
somebody close to them passed away? Would you go to the funeral versus if you Mm -hmm. know them six months from now, would you go to the funeral? It's like that, that, that sort of development of intimacy, I guess is what I mean with Got it. So it's less about like love. attraction growing. It's yeah, yeah. And I think that always comes back down to like why we always assume love is this like attraction feeling, blah, blah, right. blah, which right. it is. Right. Like I'm saying it's, a, it's very fucking important to have that. But that's not love. I'm right. sure we've all been there and been like, hey, I felt a lot of fucking attraction to somebody, but it didn't mean that they amounted anything to me or I amounted anything to them. Yeah. I don't know. And Natasha, based on what you just said also, as someone who's been in that exact situation of like being early in a relationship and then there was a death in their family and it's like the question of like, do I go or do I not? Because I'd only been dating them like a month. But at the same time, we'd gone out a handful of times. I wanted to be there for her. It was someone who is now my wife. So it was the right choice. Mm. But, you know, the other thing though is, is that like, you know, you don't really know, like, you, you know, you know that once you go to an event like that, their family is going to start saying like, who's this guy? It must right. be serious, you know, <laughs> or something. And you're like, it's only a month. I hope it's serious enough. Like, you know, but worst case scenario, you're there for them. And that's really, you know, good to be there, you know, and yeah. so on. But, you know, I, I think you don't really know. Like, I honestly, when I first met my wife, it's like, I, I didn't know what exactly I wanted in a wife, you know, like that's mm. the thing is because like, what is the definition of a spouse? You know, and what, what character, everyone's got a different answer. You know, everyone's got different ideas of what they want. And mine is um, Michael B. Jordan. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, Your dream you know, wife. <laughs> I think that's a good segue to our last one that we have. And it's kind of building off what Adam just said is that so much of it, it's, you said, I don't know what I want in a wife. And a lot of this is getting to know yourself first. And I think the realization and best advice that we had is that a relationship is not going to make you happy. It can help you be happy, but it's not going to make you happy. And if you're looking to be happy, the best place to start is yourself. And we had this amazing guest. She wrote this book. Her name's Amy Spencer. She wrote this book, Meeting Your Half Orange. And she basically had like, very like basically every opposite dating advice that you would ever have. She's like, don't get back out there. Like just do what you do. And like, don't go to a singles event because you feel like you should go there. Go bake if that's what's going to make you happy. Yeah. You might not meet a man that way, but like you need to hone in on what makes you happy because ultimately if you're trying to get into a relationship to be happy, why not just be lined to the happy and you'll probably attract someone in that best state anyways over that desperate state of just always looking for someone. We also had a guest on Heidi Ezern who wrote a um, article that's, that was called why you're still single. Why, why you're, why you can't find the one, why you can't find the one. That's it. And basically her whole point was you putting all that pressure on this person that you just met thinking that they're going to make you so happy by being in a relationship with them is setting them up for failure. And this is so, it goes hand in hand with the other um, dating advice that we were just talking about where love grows is Mark Manson said this too. Love is not enough. And that's yeah. what that what that statement really means to me is love is not the end all be all. Just because you, right. you fall in love with someone doesn't mean your debt goes away. <laughs> doesn't mean all of a sudden you're healthy and all of a sudden you're 
your life is perfect, that's when you should start building a life with someone and you have to work at it. So having this, just having this knowledge, knowing that love is not enough and knowing that you can't wait for someone to make you happy will free you from all the pressure that you put on yourself and this imaginary person. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm sure all of our shows have definitely tackled that of like embracing just being you and being single, if that's what it is. Like as somebody who has gone through the gamut of, you know, being a hardcore relationship girl who then was like a massive commitment phobe, who's now reformed commitment phobe. Like (laughs) I had to go through those phases where I had to just like, especially when I was coming out of being a commitment phobe and I had been making such bad decisions, like I was just purposely with the wrong person, um, subconsciously, you know, where I didn't Mm -hmm. realize it. I had to learn like, what the fuck is wrong? Like, I just need to be alone. Um, And it was only when I took complete time off did I was I able to evolve and like start making better choices. I even did it last year. Again, I just mm, stopped. Yeah. I was like, I'm done. I'm just really checked out right now. I don't want to date to date. Um, my family was like, why aren't you dating? I'm like, it's not like there's some shortage of dudes. It's just I don't like I, certain other things are important and I need to fill my cup right. first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so much of what we do at the end of the day comes out of not feeling enough and insecurity and, and lack of worth. And we're always looking for somebody else to, to fill that in us. And they can for, for time being. That's why they always say like the first six months feels amazing. It's like a honeymoon because you are filling that. But it's like anything else where at some point the novelty will fade away. Mm-hmm. And that the the lust and the infatuation will fade away. And then you'll be left with your debt and your right. addiction mm-hmm. and your depression and your, your reality. Yeah. yeah, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And nobody's saying you need to be fully whole because I don't think you're, any of us no. will ever be totally whole. But how good enough can we get before, you know, we we start realizing like, hey, I love me first. And when you do that, you can make decisions like, when do I want to have sex? Do Mm -hmm. I really want to meet you this Saturday? I'm really fucking tired or Mm -hmm. I want to go hang with my girls or whatever. Like you can make these small, seemingly small decisions with a place of like, like self-worth and, and, you know, feeling whole. Like if this person leaves, they're not, you're not going to die. Like you're good. It's liberating. Yeah. Yeah. I think especially during this like whole quarantine period too, it's, it's brought up a lot of stuff for people. And I think this is not saying the, that relationships aren't important because I do think relationships can help you. It can bring happiness because any relationship, either whether it's like with family members or friends, like I think as humans, we are bound to relationships, but they, that can't be the only thing that's holding on there. And I think with this whole quarantine period, it's given a lot of people time to reflect and do some of that inner work that you were mentioning, Natasha. And it's not a one-time thing. I'm glad that you called that out. Like it can, it it continues your entire life pretty much. But also I think like in the time of um, quarantine, especially if you're single and alone and like, for example, I'm living on my own, there's something very empowering and freeing that I'm fine doing this. 
I'd prefer to be with a partner, but I'm fine on my own and I'm mm-hmm. happy on my own and I'm okay on my own. And that allows the right partner that complements you to come in, not just anyone that you're like grasping for. Mm-hmm. This is a unique opportunity. You know, everyone right now is not, a lot of us like aren't able to do our normal work. Uh, we aren't able to see people that we normally see, friends and family included. Um, we really are getting to kind of understand and get to know ourselves, you know, and I think it's good for people to reflect on that while this kind of rare occasion comes up, you know, um, if there is a positive, which, you know, overall there's not, but uh, the positive could be that, you know, people get some self-understanding in terms of what they want and what they're looking for, and they find someone who, you know, uh, who, who, compliments them mm-hmm. but they the, you got to remember though that the person doesn't necessarily fill a void either um, yeah, I mean something that um that I've said before on the pod is if you find somebody great if you don't find somebody great like mm-hmm. it should never be that that one is better right. than the other reality and the truth is and this is also something I've mentioned that like we're all, we're every single human is at one point in their life going to go through a period of being alone. It is a known fact of whether, you know, for me, I've gone through many periods of that where I had to be completely alone, especially after the abusive relationship. I, I was sick for many years that people didn't know about. I was alone. Like I was lying in bed like, Oh, okay, I'm 21. I'm going to die. Mm. And I had to realize that when all the noise goes away and all the people go away, you're only left with yourself. And that can happen early in your life or that can happen late in your life, which is like, hey, I've been with my partner for 70 years. One is going to die before the other. So somebody's going to experience a moment of, and even your moment of death is alone. And so, but right now, the interesting thing is, because when I used to say that, people used to be like, yeah, okay, when are you going to experience time alone? I'm like, fucking quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now. Seriously. Fucking the entire world is going through a period where you are, for many of us, are alone. Um, And the experience is alone. And whether that's in your studio apartment, staring at the walls, not being able to go out, or living in a house with somebody you don't love, you're alone. You know, like Mm -hmm. you could even love them and still the experience is yours. Um, And that's where you have to realize the experience is yours and all these other things, including people are, are fillers and parts of the experience, but the overall experience is yours. And even in your recent episode about loneliness, you distinguish there is a difference between being alone and feeling lonely. Mm-hmm. They're completely different things. Yeah. So it's during this time, some of us, some of us may be alone, but we can still feel like we're amongst other people as well. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Cool. Well, this was so fun. I'm glad that we were able to really go down the, so the best and the worst that we got. You guys are awesome. Um, so are I, you. Where can people find your guys' podcast? So many places. Uh, easiest is our website, datablepodcast.com. That's D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. It's, a little, it's like date able. We're abling you to date. <laughs> but also we're like on iTunes and um yeah, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, you know, all, all the ones. Pretty all much any possible. podcast app. 
And then what about for kind of dating? Same. We are on um, all of the major podcast apps. um, So wherever you get it and we're at kind of dating on all the socials. Yeah, we are also at Dateable Podcast on social too. Yeah, dog wanted to say hi. He was watching the whole time. Wait, we're see. we are not totally done. If you'll give me an extra couple minutes, yeah, yeah, we'll do a, a segment um, called Six Questions. Guys, are you ready for your six questions? I don't know, but I'll try. <laughs> I guess we are. <laughs> like rapid fire. Don't overthink it. Whatever okay. first fucking okay. thing that comes in your head, say that. Cool. Way. What is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Ooh, their smile. Oh, I was going to say smile. Then I'll go with forearms. I love forearms. I don't know why. Forearms are so sexy. or big? What specific? Like, like, yeah, like veins. I like looking at veins. Yeah. Mm. Something really sexy about that. Yes, Adam. Can I throw out one more hair? Please. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gonna have a good head of hair. Okay, okay, okay. I've got TikTok videos in my head. Um, what's one deal breaker? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, narrow-mindedness. Someone mm. who's just so stuck in their own ways and who just, it's like, no, things have to be this way or I feel this way and I'll never change my mind. I can't stand that. It's a good one. Uh, what turns you on? <gasps> Forearms. <laughs> I mean so much but I think physical touch like especially if you're on a first date and someone kind of we'll have to see how this plays out after coronavirus but I think like when you're on a first date and someone gives you that like touch on your arm there's like something electrifying about that I love it when someone just takes control who's like Mm. "Uh, I'm taking you out Wednesday night 7 p.m let's go here it's just it feels so feels nice to be taken care of and throw down in the bedroom too. I was yeah. thinking control. That's where I thought you were going, but <laughs> that was one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships. Ooh, dang. Okay, we went there. I'll go with this. We'll do back and forth. Strength first. So I think my biggest strength in a relationship is constantly evolving with the relationship. Mm. I've never been stagnant, and I hate feeling complacent. So I love pushing a relationship forward. I think my best and worst is probably the same is that I'm very empathetic and caring. And sometimes I'll put someone before myself is probably like the downside of that. Mm. But I can also be a phenomenal girlfriend because I'm such a cancer and so caring and sentimental. Hey, listeners, have you met Julie Kravchik? She's single and ready to mingle. She's the best girlfriend ever. My, I think my biggest weakness is pride. I like I let pride get in the way all the time during fights. I'm like, fine, we're done. Or, you know, I just like, I have to win. And Mm. I'm with this current relationship. I'm learning a lot about just, it's not about winning. It's about evolving. Definitely. Um, What is love? I think love is wanting someone to be happy and caring about them, even if that means that that's not, you aren't going to have a life together. Like if you put someone in their own happiness above everything else, like Mm. maybe not above your own, I'm not saying above your own self and your journey, but if you really care about someone deeply, you just want the best for them. And it's not again about winning or losing or whatever that is. You just want them to be happy. Yeah, that's a really great answer. I would say love to me is fully consuming and digesting someone, all of them, every every piece of them, and not doing the buffet 
effects, yeah. you know, picking and choosing, just accepting them as a whole for, mm-hmm. for everything that they are. Yes. And, and last question, uh, besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Oh, Whew, that's a good I'm going to rip this off from my um, brother's, my dad, my brother's wife's dad gave this toast at their wedding. And he said that when he knew my brother was the right one for his wife or his daughter was when he didn't say, I love you, but I'm not going anywhere. Maybe that's oh. not three words, but oh. it's like, I'm not leaving. You know, I'm sticking with I love with that. You. Love that. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good one. Shows such a level of commitment. Yeah. I love it when a partner says, I miss you. I think there's, mm. this, that's the second best feeling in the world to love is to miss someone. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Well, that was it. You we got yes. survived. <laughs> those are great questions. I'm going to have to write those down. Yay. Um, guys, thanks for doing this. this Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Can we do our ending the way that yeah. we typically end totally. episodes? Please. Stay dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable.